Let us pray. Merciful God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as pass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Reading from the Gospel, Matthew 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and then and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parables of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. What impression did today's Gospel story leave you with? What feelings did it evoke in you? If the answer is anxiety, then I think you wouldn't be alone. All that stuff at the end about weeping and gnashing of teeth, fiery furnaces and so on, is very vivid. There are the righteous shining like the sun too, of course, But bad news tends to stick in our minds more stubbornly than good. And deep down, I suspect, all of us know we can be a bit more weedy than wheaty at times. Back in the Middle Ages, when churches were brightly painted with scenes from the Bible, there was often a painting over the chancel arch called a doom painting. Doom paintings depicted the end of the world, as their name suggests, with the blessed going up to heaven on the right-hand side and the damned being dragged down into hell, often in very graphic detail, on the left. The message to those who sat in church face-to-face with it was clear. You'd better behave or else. 
It was a message that was often used to control and coerce people into doing what the authorities of the time wanted. Be good. Do what you're told, or this could be you. Make sure you're wheat and not weeds. But when we read the story in context in Matthew's Gospel, we find that's not really what it's saying at all. When he told this story, Jesus had been on the receiving end of harsh criticism from the religious establishment, those who saw themselves as experts. He'd been healing people who others thought didn't deserve healing, forgiving them in God's name. He'd been eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. He'd been telling all and sundry, and some of them were very sundry, that God loved them. He'd been inviting those who laboured and were heavy laden to come to him, not just those exhausted by the normal trials of life, but also those who were being crushed by trying to keep impossible religious rules. With 2,000 years of hindsight, we might applaud Jesus for his message, but many in authority at the time thought he was a scandalous troublemaker, who was being disrespectful to their time-honoured values, dragging God's name into the mud by suggesting that these sinners and outcasts were part of his kingdom, accepted and welcomed. So Jesus tells a series of stories about the kingdom of God, God at work in the world. And in these stories, like the parable of the sower which we thought about last week, we hear of God's kingdom being freely given, open to all who want to be part of it. The sower we heard about last week threw his seeds about with reckless abandon, on the off chance that some of it might find good soil amidst the stones and thorns. Jesus talked about the kingdom being like yeast hidden in the dough. You couldn't see it, but it was there working away in secret. Or like treasure buried in a field, underground, not obvious, something you have to go looking for, maybe getting pretty mucky in the process. God is at work, said Jesus, in places, in ways, in situations, in people that his tidy-minded critics never imagined. Today's parable continues that theme. It's another story of seed sowing, but this time something's gone badly wrong. The field has been sown with a mixture of wheat and weed seeds, but no one realises this until the grain starts to ripen. Why does it take so long to spot the problem? Well, it's because the weed in question is darnel. It's a type of grass, and like most grasses, like wheat itself, it's green, narrow-leaved, grassy, basically. It's only when the seeds start to appear that you can tell the difference, because darnel's seeds are black. The problem with it isn't just that it competes with the wheat for space and water and food. It can also be dangerous because it's often infected with the ergot fungus, which can cause severe illness and even death. So it's not, su not surprising that when they saw it, the slaves who tended the crop panicked and came straight to their master. Master, did you not sow good seed? they ask. Actually, I'd be pretty sure that the master didn't sow the seed at all. You don't keep slaves and sow the seed yourself. They're probably terrified that he's going to accuse them of sabotaging the crop by accident or design. They're frightened. They want to deflect the blame away from themselves. But they needn't have worried. Their master seems completely unbothered. An enemy did it, he said, 
in an offhand manner. There's no blame for them, and no suggestion of revenge on this enemy either. It is what it is. It happens. There are bad things in the world, Jesus seems to be saying, and in each of us too. It's an inescapable fact of life. But what should we do in response? Shall we rip up the weeds, say the slaves, seizing the opportunity to look good in their master's eyes, since he seems to be in such a good mood at the time? No, he says, just leave them. You can't pull up the weeds without destroying the wheat as well. Darnell has a sneaky habit of tangling its roots around the roots of the plants it grows among. We'll sort it out at harvest time, he says. I wonder how those slaves felt about that answer. It was one less job for them, but what about their master's reputation? What would other people think of him when they saw this contaminated crop in his field? What kind of farmer was he? The answer is that he was a farmer who didn't want to risk losing one precious grain of wheat by wading in too early. A farmer who was passionately concerned to preserve every little bit of good that he possibly could. That was far more important to him than what anyone else might think of him. Far more important to him than apportioning blame or seeking revenge. Just as it was far more important to Jesus to rescue and love the battered and burdened people he met than to look good in the eyes of respectable religious leaders, those who'd set themselves up as arbiters of what was right and wrong. Of course, there are times when we need to make judgments about people for our own safety and the safety of those around us. But this story tells us that we are never called to declare anyone beyond redemption. For a start, in doing so, we condemn ourselves because there's not one of us who's all wheat and no weed. It isn't our job to sort the world into good and bad, friend and enemy, and decide that some people aren't worth bothering with. It's God alone who searches us and knows us truly, as today's psalm reminded us. God alone who knows how his broken creation can be made whole again. And if those other stories Jesus tells are anything to go by, in his limitless, indestructible love, he'll be far more generous than anything we can ask or imagine, despite our fears about fiery furnaces and gnashing teeth. And I think they are our fears, not God's intent. Our job is to nurture what's good. Our job is to bless our enemies and not to curse them, because they're God's children too. Our job is to look for God's presence in others and in ourselves and discover, maybe to our surprise, certainly to our delight, that God is at work where we least expected to find him. Amen.